Iowa everywhere. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Iowa Everywhere, and now it's time for Two Guys Named Chris, powered by Fairway Meat and Grocery. This is Iowa Everywhere, for the fans. And what's going on? Chris Williams here, joined as always by Chris Hassel. This is Two Guys Named Chris here on Iowa Everywhere. We're uh, going to get after it for the next hour or so talking Iowa, Iowa State. Big weekend coming up for both schools. Kind of desperation mode for both teams. No desperation mode at Fairway, though. They got the best mm. meat that money can buy. Ugh. Hassle. Okay, I'm going to give you, like, it's, you can have two beers right now. Two beers. And you, you can go and have any piece of meat at Fairway. What's it going to oh, be? Jeez. You know after what? a couple of beers... We're going steak. I, I, I find we, it hard to beat a, a New York strip. Hmm. You know, it's just it's easy. Yeah. And it's it always hits the spot. That's good. That's good. I think I would probably go. Um, that's 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 tough to compete with. If I had the time, some a nice slab of uh, baby back pork ribs. Mm, yeah, I don't. I just don't know how to cook those. It's not difficult, but no, uh, you can't lose. Thanks to Fairway for sponsoring the program. Um, a little discombobulated. I apologize if my quality isn't as good. My mic broke about two minutes before we were supposed to be recording this. I, I feel a little I bit it was. like Brian Ferentz. It's a little I, unprepared. No, I, I think it was a ghost. Did you listen to my Ghost Hunter ooh, podcast? I'm going to get Chris Williams' mic and ooh, I'll show him. Did you listen to the podcast? I did not. No. You should listen to it and open your mind. Fe- for I'm once. getting feedback. Why don't you? Can you turn down your headphones? I think I'm hearing you through your uh, your little headphone deals. There you go. That should yeah. be better. Is that better? I, I think that's better. Okay. Yeah, much better. Much better. Good job. Okay. There you go. There you go. Um, wow. We already have a Brian Ferentz joke in the first couple minutes of the program. Well, it's kind of easy at this point. I I'm not trying to take cheap shots. I did think that this is funny before we get into all the Kirk Ferentz stuff that Pat Fitzgerald now this is the type of press conference that I'm looking for out of all coaches included and, and Matt Campbell's gonna get his this week too fellas oh so he don't. gonna get his <laughs> uh, Fitz on this week's game against Iowa quote I requested the Big Ten that we play this game at 6 a.m. <laughs> phenomenal yes Rob I love self-deprecation that's fantastic way to go yes. Fitz he knows both teams suck. Yeah. And this and is going to be an ugly game. I, I saw the total has already gone way up. You know, I was talking to Mike Palm about that from Circa. And Ken and, um, Ken and him were talking about it on the hook the other day. And it, you know why? It's because of Iowa's defense. Like, the odds are they'll probably score. Gotcha. Okay. I see where you're Okay. 
I was, I was for a second there. I was a little surprised, but then I realized, yes, you're talking about because the Iowa defense is the best unit in this game that can put up points. Correct. The Iowa defense is probably going to outscore the Iowa offense and the Northwestern offense. Probably. Yeah, I mean, really, like the it opened at thirty-one and a half. Like it's that's, I mean, that is the smallest open in the history of college football. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's really hard. to... I saw it yesterday at thirty-seven. Yeah, it's gone way up. I, I don't know. Like I, I don't know if I'd touch that one, but we'll see. Doesn't it fits though? Like it kind of feels like his teams have been bad in the non-con and whatnot, but then they've been at least competitive in the Big Ten. Like I don't, I don't know why I was an eleven-point favorite. I guess like I just with the number that low. I, it just well, seems like Northwestern will at least hang, right? Doesn't it? With a number that low, you would think that, but it almost—it's almost screaming out they won't score. But yeah. you're right. I mean, that last week they—they they only lost by seven at Maryland, thirty-one twenty-four. They put up some points. They weren't horrible at Penn State. They lost, only lost by ten there. Um, terrible record. I'm not saying they're a good team, but you're right. They've been more respectable the last month or so but it's still there's still a bad 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 team and I know Iowa is too but Iowa's defense is just far superior to any other unit that Northwestern has that uh, I'm sure they probably will score at least seven points and that might be the difference in the game (laughs) and then you've got Iowa State Oklahoma where you know Oklahoma could put up 60 on anybody, but they could also give up 60 to anybody. I I don't know what to think about that game because Oklahoma kind of had its get-right game against Kansas. Then they had a bye week, right? Mm Mm-hmm. They the the key with them is if if Dylan Gabriel is playing and he he is and sounds this like one. he's going to play right yeah he that's really been the difference in their offense at least now their defense has just been bad but like I don't know uh, two desperate football teams meeting in Ames on Saturday and we will get to but that the, one the one difference is that the, the one team got over the hump the last time they were out and the other team keeps getting in its own way correct yeah i i i talked with this about bloom on our cyclone fanatic podcast and i think i maybe hit it up with you but man you really worry about becoming that team that just can't win a close game because like right now i think that i could make the point like well if that kick bounces a different what right like you could mm-hmm. spin it like and, and you're not crazy that you're like two plays away. You're not far from being three and one mm-hmm. in the Big Twelve, yet you're so far away. Does that make sense? And you yeah. just you don't want it to become like a you don't want it to become who you are. They they can't lose another. I, I really fear for the, the the psyche of any team if you lose five single digit games because then it's just you know it's who you are. So they need to get over the hump big time tomorrow in Ames. Saturday names. Saturday names, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Same thing. You're in uh you're staying home. You've got UAB and Florida International, correct? Uh that would be Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic, whatever. And they don't like to be called Florida Atlantic. They want to be called FAU. Why? There's this thing about these Florida schools. I, I don't know what it is, 
but Florida Atlantic is FAU. Florida International is FIU. Don't you dare call them Central Florida. It's UCF. Don't you dare really? call them South Florida. It's USF. Yes. They do not. In fact, when you read their game notes, in all of them, it'll say, do not refer to us in any way as Central Florida. Is it they don't want to be a directional? Right? Because that kind of is what, – what is the reasoning behind it? Honestly, I don't know, and I think it's a detriment, especially for – Central Florida and South Florida, because UCF, USF, it's very similar, very similar sounding schools. And when you say it, I think most people throughout the country have to think for a second, UCF, USF, what's the, okay, South Florida, Central Florida. Okay, because we still identify them as Central Florida, South Florida, but they do not want to be called that. And I think it might have something to do with being a directional but I, I think it causes more confusion than not. It certainly does with me, just with 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 UCF, I guess, coming to the Big Twelve. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I actually think yeah, it makes it, them look better being called Central Florida. I agree. It, but if you want to get under their skin, coming into the Big Twelve, call them Central Florida. Write that down. Good to know. Speaking of getting under people's skin, oh boy, uh, Kirk Ferentz. Had a well, quite the soundbite during his press conference on Tuesday, and I'll give I gave Kirk a lot of credit last night on Twitter. And th- this is old news, so we don't want to rehash the um, what happened on Tuesday too much here mm-hmm. on Thursday. But he went after the the Cincinnati, not Cincinnati, the Cleveland reporter who wrote the story about the the nepotism and and all that stuff after the game we referred to it on Monday's show and i think kirk was more upset about the the what the questions he was asking he didn't really ever refer to the article he referred to the the line of questioning and the tone etc so then ference puts out a statement and i think brock has that statement right here and i i actually thought that this was pretty well done i'll read it for those listening on the podcast I'd hoped to join the Zoom call this morning, but practice lasted longer than anticipated. I wanted to take a moment to apologize for my comments during the news conference yesterday. I should not have been dismissive of one of your colleagues. His questions were fair. I have high respect for the work that you do. I'm appreciative appreciative of how you cover our team. You ask tough and pointed questions, but do so with a high degree of professionalism. I tell our players to take the high road, and yesterday I did not do the same thing. I look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Go Hawks. Signed, Kirk Ferentz. I was pretty happy with that. I'm like, all right, let's just move on. Yeah. I actually tweeted. Yep. I was like, I'm glad we don't have to spend much time on this, on, on two guys named Chris. Just move on. Um, admit when you're wrong. All that good stuff, right? And then. Yeah. So then let's um, let's hear what he said last night. Uh, it's on the what would be Iowa's coaches show with Gary Dolphin statement or at least uh, you want to well, revisit that and, and talk about that for a moment. Yeah, I was a little dismissive yesterday of this uh, this gentleman and um, you know, I always uh, preach to our guys, encourage our guys to take the high road. So uh, maybe I deviated from that, and you know, I apologize for that. Don't want to set a bad example for our guys. And, and it's not so much the questions. Uh, that's part of my job. And I, re- I fully re- realize and appreciate the uh, media members of the media have jobs to do. And, 
answered uh, you know more than several hard questions after the Illinois ball game, and you know same thing on Saturday. So that's part of the job. Uh, you know, it's not fun, but it's it's part of the job. So uh, no no problem there. And I, I didn't have a problem with the question. I just have a, have a, a real problem with the tone. And um, you know, there's to me a way you go about your business, and you know, everybody's uh, entitled to their own opinion how they want to do things. But I, I was not appreciative of the tone uh, that in which the question was delivered or questions were delivered. So I'll stand by that. And uh, if anything else, it just reinforces and makes me appreciate uh, my. My feelings towards the Iowa media. You know, uh, they ask hard questions. They do what they have to do. And again, I appreciate that and respect that. But uh, what I more, more so respect is the, the quality of people that I you know, have a chance to interact with on a routine basis and uh, the way they go about their job. So you know, I'm, I'm not sitting up here telling anybody how to do their job. But uh, I guess I do have some opinions about it. And uh, uh, there are certain, certain tones I don't appreciate people taking with me. So, you know, enough said on that one. Yeah, enough. Uh, Chris, do you have any thoughts on that? That's kind of like uh, it reminds me of when, if you you know you're a kid, your mom makes you write an apology letter to somebody, you know maybe one of your friends, acquaintances, and then you see that acquaintance again, and you're like, you know, I mean, you really brought that on yourself. I mean, I I am sorry, but you it really was your fault. You know, I, you had a lot to do with this. My mom made me do that. I, I think that his PR team, this is just me guessing, I don't know this for a fact. I think his PR team got to him and said it would be, it would be right, it would look good on you to craft a statement. We'll help you with that statement to apologize because it didn't look good yesterday. It's not playing well. And so he did that maybe begrudgingly and then you get him in that setting on the radio show in a restaurant and he just kind of goes off on his own thoughts it starts off okay but then it's clear that he's basically saying don't ever come at me with that tone again (laughs) and also like pointing out how the great character of the people who cover him at Iowa are that's that's another kind of slap in the face to this guy I will say, though, in Ferris's defense, the tone was a little bit questionable if you listen to it. If you listen to that press conference, I thought that the tone was a little bit harsh. But Kirk Ferris has had harsh tone with reporters in the past. Bottom line is, I think Ferris did more harm than good with what he said after the statement yesterday, he, he did not need to address it anymore. He made the statement. He released the statement, I should say. That would have been it. Mm-hmm. We all would have said, like you said, and, and we did. We, we tweeted it. We would have said on this show, it's the right thing to do. He shouldn't have said it in his press conference on Tuesday. We're moving on. And now we're talking about it again. Mm-hmm. Because he yeah. basically took the apology back. I'm sorry that you asked a question with that damn tone. Yeah, and I mean, the, there's. I try and humanize these guys, and we'll do it with Matt coming up here too. Like, honestly, like I, I'm kind of with you when you make the point. Like, the guy's tone was wasn't great, mm-hmm. and and normally, Chris, you know this. If if you're gonna do a column like that, or like it's normally like on a Tuesday and you pull him to the side 
and you say to the guy, Hey, I'm sorry. I mean, we've all done this before. Like, I'm going to have to kill you here. Um, can I, can we talk off? Can we talk off on the side? You're not doing it in front of everybody when you have the really hard questions and pointed questions to ask. Well, this guy is, I'm again, I'm putting myself in Kirk's shoes. Mm-hmm. It's after a brutal loss. We just got humiliated on national TV. Okay. And you know, what's coming. And then this outsider in your mind shows up and not only is he is he pressing you on stuff that you don't want to be pressed on that you've already been pressed on contrary to what many fans believe kirk ferentz has been asked hard questions this year by the iowa media and, and to now their credit that the chad Lysticos, the david eicholtz i think they all ask those tough questions that need to be asked and they ask them in a professional polite way so then this outsider in kirk's mind shows up in in his most vulnerable moment, right, as a coach, when you just get your ass kicked. And there was a tone there. I, I, I think that's fair. Sure. Like I, there I was. Like there, to, there, there's no question there was. Yeah, I'm like not saying. To, maybe, maybe the guy, maybe the guy that, that's that's the first time I've ever asked him, heard a question. His name's Doug. I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. It starts with an L from Cleveland.com. And, and by all accounts, he's a really good reporter. Yeah, I, he's been doing I did it a some research. Time. He's kind of an icon in that area. Like he's maybe that's maybe he that's how he asks questions. I don't know, but it it did come off very Tony to me. There was an edge to those questions, and it might have been because Ferentz pushed back a little bit at first. It was almost like Ferentz was surprised that he would ask that question, and Ferentz was like, "Well, I, I've addressed this before. I addressed this last week. I addressed this two weeks ago, and maybe that's what turned the tone." A little bit more. I I think too. There's an aspect of it where Kirk is sitting around in a bar. I'm not saying he was drinking. You said the setting. Dolph's one of his yeah, old. Where buddies. they are? Are they still at the old uh, Carlos O'Kelly's Mexican <laughs> Cafe? <laughs> Wednesday night, Carlos O'Kelly's Mexican Cafe. The Kirk Ferentz radio program. I, be, I believe they're at some sort of a rooftop. Is what it said in the background there. Um, it goes back to when Campbell made that comment about the fans, you know, mm-hmm. and I've been, I was thinking about this last night cause we were wanting Matt to come and just be like, just to clarify it. We know what he meant, but it, we also know how it came off and it two different things. And really like if you do any study on just verbal communication with anybody, it doesn't matter what the person who's talking, it doesn't matter what they mean. What matters is how it's received. To anybody, if it's our audience, if it's having a conversation with your wife, if it's talking to your dad, if they take it a way that you didn't intend to send it, well, that's what really leaves a lasting impact. And the more I think about this, like it's really kind of a bad way to do it because you're so comfortable sitting there with Dolph. And then you can start to kind of, you know, and Dolph's giving you the nonverbal communication like, yeah, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, Sonny, yeah. And <laughs> Ferentz just kept going there. And you're right. I think it probably did more harm than good. I'm probably at the end of the day going to, I'm kind of like, whatever. I just want to talk about the games. But it did make me, when I'm going to bed last night, think, man, you know, I, I was defending Kirk on Twitter to Iowa State fans because I've been in that spot where it doesn't matter what you say. If I, because I'm an Iowa State guy, Iowa fans, they, it doesn't matter what I say. I am the enemy. I'm a liar. I'm out to get them. And that's how a lot of fans were responding to Kirk's 
written message. And I'm like, no, back off. The guy tried to make it right. Just move on. This is not that big of a deal. And then he goes and does this. And now I'm like, okay, yeah, that was totally written by his PR team. He doesn't actually feel this. And I'm kind of with you. So it is what it is. Just probably the less the Ferences talk right now until they win some games, probably the better. <laughs> is what I'm coming down and, to. And they should get a win this week. As they bad should. as they've been, they should get a win this week. And they at least should feel a little bit better about what's going on. But, um, you know, we'll see how things transpire on Saturday. But they just right now they just they they can't win for losing. They can't get out of their own way. And the more they talk, yeah, the more they upset people. Whether it's Iowa fans, Iowa State fans, national media, they're just very defensive right now, and I understand it from a human standpoint. The problem is that they're not looked at as human beings. They're looked right. It's just different, and we're but not right doc- now, we're not Doctor Phil. I think right now you, you can't be defensive. They are so bad offensively. Uh, Iowa football is the laughingstock of the country in college football. It's not UConn or UMass or Colorado State or Miami. It's Iowa. If you're going to make a punchline about a college football team right now on a national landscape, you're going to make a you're going to make a joke about the Iowa offense and how putrid it is and then you're probably going to the fact that the coach's son is the offensive coordinator. That's how it is. So I think right now those guys need to adjust and they don't do a good job adjusting, we know that, whether it's in game with personnel changes or this, I think they do need to scale it back a little bit because they are performing so bad i mean i think that's just how it is and they're they're not in any kirk ferentz is in no danger of getting fired or anything like that it's not like he's a lame duck coach and he's out there trying to defend himself and prove that he's right for the job he's got it just pull it back a little bit understand that people are pissed that might be the problem that is the problem here is that he knows all of that he knows how much power he yields and he can basically say or do whatever he wants until you get into that with cause category, which he is nowhere near. Mm-hmm. You know, that's part of the deal. Like, you don't see Brent Venables on the stand talking like that because he knows that they might fire him in three weeks <laughs> despite his bio. Kirk knows that that's not coming. But I, I guess I don't. I could see this more from a coach like. Venables, who's trying to defend how good he is as, as a coach and his leadership inside the program. Kirk Ferentz doesn't need to do that. He can say, look, I, I get it. I know we're really, really struggling right now, especially offensively. This is a I good segue. Concerns. This is a good segue to what Matt Campbell said. And then we'll get to the, to the games. Uh, Matt yeah. Campbell... Uh, we'll hold on one second here, Brock, and I'll introduce it for our podcast audience. Matt Campbell was at the uh, the lectern or whatever you call it. The, on the podium? Po- yeah. There's there's multiple names. But the he was lectern? At the podium. I believe that's a, a word, right? It is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, you don't hear it that often. Well, actually, I think it was on Zoom because he was ill. 
Wow. Matt Campbell, yeah, like this was they didn't okay. have a press conference. It was all on Zoom, but whatever. It's uh it doesn't matter. This Campbell is the regular press conference that he has yes. each week before a game. Well, we'll just let you guys listen to it. This is Matt Campbell answering a question about special teams. I, I I really think like in my opinion, special teams is still one of those things where you want all your coaches involved. Um you know, I think when you're asking just one person to do it. I, I, I still don't believe that's the right way to approach it. And, you know, I think we've been able to find great success with that in our past. <laughs> what? We've been able to find great success with that. When? In so, year one? Yeah, and here's the Iowa State special team rankings during the Campbell era. I'm just going to read the numbers. So there's seven years. 128, or excuse me, eight so they were really good in 2016. Yeah. His first year, they were top 10 in the country in special teams, and then the big drop-off. 62, 66, 84, 90, 101, 115. I'm actually surprised they were as bad last year because of the, the kicking situation with Mevis. He was pretty good, kicked it out of the end zone a lot. They didn't give up a lot of those kick returns. But the, the greater point here, um, as we were segueing into – Campbell from Ference is why don't these coaches, Chris, just say what you were saying there more often, being like, yeah, you know what, it's been a real grind. Right? Like, don't, wouldn't fans just respond so much better than that? Then, like, what Matt is referring to here, we're all watching the games, coach. Like, yeah. you're not having success on special teams. And I just wish, I wish I could do PR for a D1 coach for a year <laughs> and say, just freaking go up there and be authentic and tell the truth because it, you, because Matt has been getting killed on Twitter for this. I think I know what Matt meant here. What did he but mean? I think because he does this all the time. I think he was referring to his time at Toledo. and Because when he refers to like in the past, like I swear like that's probably what was in his head. And he is so ingrained by how his Mount Union coach did things and, like, the mentors that he's had. And I'm guessing if you go back to those Mount Union programs and whatnot, they probably didn't have a special teams coordinator, and everybody did it this way. But, like, Iowa State fans don't care about that. And I just wish that these coaches would do what you were saying with with Ference and be like, go up there and admit that it's been a total grind and we probably need to look at making some changes, right? Like it it doesn't always have to be swept under the rug, these problems. And to say that we've had great success, so so he's going back to his. I don't know that. I'm assuming Toledo and Ma- you know what? <laughs> Fifteen years ago, when I was a high school coach, we had great success doing that. Yes, you can't. Fans aren't stupid. And this is the biggest bugaboo that Matt Campbell has had as a head coach. It's special teams. It's really his it, only wart. Yeah, right and, now. And it seems to be getting worse, not better or staying the same. This year has been abysmal. And it's been every aspect, not just the kicking game, not just the, you know, the punt return unit or the punt unit, getting kicks blocked. How many block punts have they had? Like uh, seven, I, six? It's last crazy. week I was going to put together a list of all the special teams miscues that Iowa State has had this season. And it got to a point where it was just so much that there was no way we could even present that on one page. So I was just just said no. Like I get it. Like 
if it works the way you're doing it, awesome. It's not working. <laughs> Obviously. It didn't work. It's not working this year. It didn't work last year. It didn't work the year before, or the year before, or the year before. You've got to admit there's a problem first. Isn't that the first step in like, well, if, you're, if you're an alcoholic, the first step is to admit you're an alcoholic and then you can start to get help. Matt Campbell won't admit that he has a special teams problem. He's got to go to special teams rehab <laughs> and it's going to take an intervention to get him there. And you just wonder too, just coaches in general, like I would love to be at the Iowa offensive coaches meeting in the Iowa State like when they're talking about special teams. Like are they, are they completely just putting lipstick on a pig to the media and the fans or – like, do they truly believe these things? Like, I, I would the, love here's to know. the other like, thing, Chris, is that a lot of Iowa State fans also know what's going on at Iowa. They play each other every year. They watch Iowa games. They see how good the Iowa yeah, special teams is year They watch Taylor. Year out. Make me a trade last year. Give me Tory Taylor. I'll give you our punter. Iowa State wins probably nine games instead of seven, <laughs> including the, the Seahawks game. Tory Taylor changed the game. Yes, and <laughs> Iowa probably doesn't win ten. They win eight. Right. Tory Taylor. And that's just a cold hard fact. And that's the other thing about the like that graphic that we showed too, that like fans aren't dumb. And you you just look at the numbers and it's really I just what like I think fans just want authenticity. Like I think that that's really what they're looking for. It's not always gonna be perfect. I mean the when you're winning it cures everything. Like if Iowa State is three and one right now, nobody in the Big Twelve, like this isn't even a topic, right? But, like, I was talking with our, my old buddy Jeremiah Davis. He used to write for the Cedar Rapids Gazette, and that's what losing does. Like, when you're losing, you get asked these types of questions, which you which you don't after a win. But, like, I don't know. The Campbell thing, it was just like, come on, man, just, like, come out here and say, hey, yeah, we're really, really struggling. We're doing everything behind the scenes we can to get this fixed. Because they are. They're not just ignoring it. Like, th there's not negligence on, on the part of, like, the day-to-day, -day, but the process of your special teams is clearly broken if you look at those numbers and you just watch the games. TB commented on, on YouTube that at least he's not telling everyone how well the special teams has been playing in practice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, well, go buy our shirt, too, by the way. Um Brock, see if you can pull that up on the Iowa Everywhere Twitter page. We've got a new merch store, and the first item we have is practice. Who gives a shit? <laughs> I honor saw some you. people were were disappointed that the uh, the S and the the H and the I in shit was uh, had an asterisk. We no, we 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 cleared that up. What? We cleared that. So what'd up. What'd you do? Well, the we had too many asterisks in yeah. there to begin with so we we eliminated one so we're good now so what which letter are you allowing i think the um i is the one that's okay so it's s h asterisk t i believe so okay that's how that is how that looks uh shout out to circa circa sports iowa our friends i was talking to you man it's it's great to have mike palm is a part of Iowa everywhere because I can just text him and be like, hey, why is the Iowa mm -hmm. Northwestern game, why is the number this low, right? And you get yeah. great insight. These people are really bright. You should listen to Mike and get his insight with Ken Miller every Tuesday on Iowa everywhere with the hook. And uh, download that Circus Sports Iowa app today. 
It's my number one go-to app. Now, Circa always encourages you to shop other lines, too, and get the best line out there. I'm consistently finding the best lines with Circa Sports Iowa, and it really helps us here at Iowa Everywhere if you guys can um, – if they see their numbers going up. So go and check that out. And if you're in Vegas, uh, check out the property at Circa Stadium Swim, second to none. I think we are going to be out there here in a couple of months. Yeah, my Welcome. wife was just asking me about that. Have you heard anything more from Williams about that trip to Vegas? It's coming, baby. Um, let's let's go to the let's just stick with Iowa State, and then we'll get to Iowa Northwestern. This is a must. This is really a must type of win for Iowa State. You don't really want to stare at zero and five. Now there are winnable games on the back end, Chris. Uh, but I, I think if you want to go to a bowl game, man, uh, beating Oklahoma at home. Listen, I know they had the bye. I know Dylan Gabriel's back. I still think that this Oklahoma program. I will be – I'm consistent with my thoughts. I, I had a mental lapse after they beat Nebraska. I was overvaluing Nebraska. <laughs> we actually look really good right now. In our first show ever, you and me both – we said Oklahoma and Notre Dame were the two most overrated teams in the country. That was before any of the games had been played. That's true. And that has certainly been the case. And I leave just out don't – Leave out the fact that I had Iowa State winning 10 games. We both had Iowa winning eight. So and I we think I, th- I also think we had Nebraska starting like seven and one. But I, we got to point out when we're wrong as well, right? This is true, my friend. Uh, this is a really intriguing football game, though, because it's just two desperate football teams with Iowa State and Oklahoma. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because you've got an elite defense versus an elite offense. And Oklahoma's offense with Dylan Gabriel has been one of the best in the country. And then you have a poor offense at Iowa State that was getting better in the Texas game. Hunter Eckers throws for over 300 yards in that one, so you saw some improvement against a bad Oklahoma defense. But you've got to think that Brent Venables, he doesn't get this reputation over the years for nothing. You've got to think their defense is going to be in a better spot on Saturday than it was prior to. What do you think? Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I think they – they got over the hump against Kansas. They're feeling good. They go into the bye week, and they think that this second half of the season, they're going to turn things around. They're going to go on a winning streak. I don't like this spot for Iowa State. Ooh. I just don't. I, uh, you're, you, you keep losing these close games. Now you're going up against a team that's feeling better about itself and, and a team that clearly is more talented than you. I mean, I, I don't think you can argue that. No. Oklahoma has more talent. And... I just I don't I don't see it. I don't see Iowa State winning this game. You think it'll be close? No. Whoa. I think Oklahoma rolls. I, I hope Are I'm you dead more wrong. bullish on Oklahoma or bearish on Iowa State? Bullish on Oklahoma. I don't think they're nearly as bad as they showed the first three games of the conference season. And I think Iowa State just missed their opportunities. I, I think now the the ball is the boulder is rolling down the hill and it's collecting more and more just garbage and you've got a team coming in and I know Iowa State had a bye too but they they've already been embarrassed by Texas I I just I don't like it I I feel like Oklahoma is going to reel off several wins in a row here down the stretch. I think Iowa State's going to lose this game, and this is going to be the difference between a bowl game 
and not. I think this is going to keep them at five wins because I do think they'll beat West Virginia and Texas Tech. Yeah, but, I think that they've got some wins left in them. I just don't know where they're coming from. I'm with you on this game being a bit terrifying, though. I just don't like getting into these games when you think that you're going to have to score in the 40s to win. Yeah, that's right? the problem. But, yeah. And I, I think Iowa State's defense is great, mm-hmm. but you can only be great for so long against an right. offense like Oklahoma. Look at Iowa and Ohio State. Yeah. And, and you, when you dissect that, you see how good Iowa – actually played defensively against C.J. Stroud and that Ohio State offense, and Ohio State still scored 50-plus points in the game. So is is Hunter Deckers going to have his field day? I think he'll make some big plays. I think Hutchinson's going to make some big plays. But are they going to be able to consistently do it without turning the ball over? Yeah, the only... Plus for Iowa State in that sense, is it does look like you'll be healthy at running back. So that'll be, if they can run the football uh, with getting Jirel Brock back. How do you think the atmosphere is going to be? Uh, a little sleepy, I would think. Yeah. I wish it wasn't an 11 a.m. kick. I wish this was I, a night game. I think this is going to be the sleepiest atmosphere for an Oklahoma trip to Ames that we've ever seen. Usually Oklahoma comes in. They've got a number next to them, and usually it's a single-digit number. Usually it's a top-10 team, often top-5 team, and even if Iowa State's bad, it's a juiced-up environment. I would disagree because I can think of one game in 2003 where that was not the case, when Iowa State went 2-10. and 10. But <laughs> I, your point is well taken. I wish this wasn't an 11-8. I wish this was a night game. I think that would really help. I think you're going to have a lot of people who – it's late fall, stuff to do, 11 a.m. I don't know if I can get up there. I, I do agree with you. The atmosphere has – it's been fine. It's been way better than what Iowa State used to have, but it's not – it hasn't yeah, been like it's, electric. It, it, it's better than probably any other 0-4 team in no conference doubt. in the country. But, no doubt. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I I just – it's it's the 11 a.m. thing. It's the 0 and 4 thing. It's the oh my god, Oklahoma's not even good this year thing. I just I don't I don't like the looks of it. I think it's a, a really tricky spot for the Cyclones. In, in fact, um, I did the uh, college football picks show on CBS Sports HQ with Brady Quinn and Danny Cannell, and we pick every uh, every ranked game against the spread. And at the end of the show. Each guy gives their best bet. Now, this isn't a ranked game, so we didn't pick this yeah. game, but yeah. Danny Cannell's best bet was Oklahoma minus one. That's his best bet for the week. Now, I look, he, he's over 500 for the season in his picks. His best bets are right around, yeah, I think he was like four and four or something like that in, in his best bets this year, but he thinks Oklahoma's going to roll in this one. You asked me if I think it's going to be close, and I said no. I, I don't think Oklahoma's going to win by 30. Yeah. But I think this is going to be a two-score win for Oklahoma. I would probably lean Oklahoma, and Iowa State loses another one-possession game. That would be my that would be my lean right now. But I I wouldn't be surprised though if Iowa State wins. They're just so close, and you feel like there's a breakout coming at some point, and um, hopefully it's Saturday. But until you see it, it's kind of hard to go out on a limb and predict that. Hey, we didn't even say, like, we're talking, geez, is Iowa State going gonna to move the ball? Are they going to score enough? Are they going to move it enough and not turn the ball over? 
Are they going to stop Oklahoma on enough possessions? We didn't say anything about the special teams. What kind of special teams mistakes will they make? Because you know that that's coming. Something is going to happen, and usually it's some things <laughs> with this team. Um, Iowa Northwestern, uh, contrary to what Pat Fitzgerald pre- or asked for, there's no 6 a.m. kick in this one. What time does this game even kick? Is this eleven? This has to I was, be eleven. I was just going to ask you. I, 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 I'm going to. I'm looking that up right now. I've got. <laughs> I've, I've got a night game, so I'm hoping oh. it's early. Well, Iowa I, uh, Northwestern is wow two thirty Central Time on ESPN two. Wow, that got ESPN two, huh? I was. I yeah, thought this that, had. It's that it's Big, that Big Ten, Ten TV network. deal, man. I thought this had Big Ten Network written it's all over. It's either that or the Big Ten Network was like, mm, we don't want this. Why don't you guys take it over there on the douche? I mean, Iowa wins this game, right? Like, they're not going to lose. Iowa doesn't win this game. They're not going to lose. Oh, my God. If It's going gonna, it's gonna to get re- – it's, it's ugly right now. It, it's going to get – really really loud and really really bad in Iowa City if you think it's bad right now for the Ferences if they lose this game I don't think it's going to happen though I I, I don't either at at home Northwestern sucks I kind of feel like Iowa might even cover every team in the Big Ten has three or more wins except for Northwestern they've got one and that came week zero so they haven't won in week one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They, they haven't won any of those. Week zero, a fake week, is their only win. And, the, and that was out of the country in Ireland. It's kind of like if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there to listen to it, does, does it make sound? Yeah, and it was against Scott Frost. Does that really count? A one-possession win against Scott Frost? All, so I didn't realize this at the time until I was doing my prep for this game. But that game that Northwestern had at Penn State where they forced five turnovers, it was like a monsoon that game. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't realize I that. that. It was so, horrible weather. So it softens that performance just a little bit. Sure. I mean, I'd be shocked if Northwestern scores a offensive touchdown. Wouldn't you? Yes, I mean the quarterback. They made the quarterback change. It feels like they've got a little bit of momentum, but Maryland's defense is nothing like what Iowa's defense. And then he also like if you're Iowa, and you go from Ohio State down to that, like it's going to feel like you're playing a high school team out there. Who do Ohio- you expect to see at the quarterback position for Iowa? It has to be Padilla. I mean, I know Ferentz has had a bad week. The word arrogant has been thrown around a lot. He's not arrogant enough to not start Spencer Padilla on Alex Saturday. Padilla. Alex Padilla. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting if, all your... If he rolls a, a Spencer <laughs> Padilla out there... <laughs> I'm getting all your quarterbacks mixed up. A mix between a guy who can't take well, a snap he did. and a guy who can't see a defense. He didn't rule out the rotation, which I thought that would be epic. Because normally if it's a rotation, it's like a couple of different guys who like do different things. Right, like there's like a reason. I think it'd be hilarious if Spencer Petrus and Alex Padilla were in a quarterback rotation for oh Iowa. Oh my god! I, honestly, that would be better than just trotting Petrus out there again. 
I, I I would take that over just Petrus. They have to play Padilla, and I'll and here's why: because Fitzgerald, I know that they suck, but he's too good of a coach. Like if they if they do Petrus, like he's gonna know what's coming. Yeah. Man, this has this has a ten seven written all over it. How is Iowa an eleven point favorite? Because you're right, Fitzgerald has been great against Ferentz. Few people know Ferentz better and play him better than than Pat Fitzgerald, and that's that's even in seasons where Iowa does have an offense, no matter how bad Northwestern is. Should we get to our top three games of the weekend? Look around the schedule now. Brock is filling in for Matt. Apparently, he mixed our names up, which what? tends to happen. We had the same name. Well, that's true. We'll just put down Chris. Well, let's see what he's got. We'll see who he th- So this this is actually Hassel's top th- three games of the weekend. Okay. It says Williams is if you're okay. watching on the stream. You go for it. All right. So uh, North Texas at Western Kentucky. Williams, I had to do it. Go back to Conference USA. Love Conference USA. Keeps the Mean Green. I love oh, it. Oh, man. Mean Green had a great effort last week at UTSA, and the Roadrunners pulled it out in the final minute. This game might decide – who gets second place in Conference USA behind UTSA and goes to the conference championship game. North Texas and Western Kentucky have one loss in conference play. The winner is going to be alone in second place. And this should be a really, really fun game. North Texas usually runs the ball well. Western Kentucky throws it. Western Kentucky's coming off a great win over UAB last week. That'll be a, a really good game. That one's on stadium this Saturday. Uh, I, I, I'm not calling that one, though. I'm calling a game for CBS Sports Network, uh, FAU, and UAB. That is not on my top three. I'll never pick my own game for this, by the way. Uh, my next game to watch, if we can uh, roll the slide. Whoa. Yeah. Illinois at Nebraska. This is, this is sexy. I love Ooh. this pick. I was going to put this on mine until I saw that you did. I love this. Illinois is a touchdown favorite at Nebraska. Illinois has got, right now on paper, the best defense in the country, giving up uh, eight points per game. Fewer than nine points per game. I think it's 8.9. Nebraska can score it. So which side wins out here? Nebraska, they're playing better football. Now that they got Frost out of there in Illinois, if they win this, they'll kind of take a a stranglehold or a little bit more of a stranglehold on the Big Ten West. They're the favorites now. To win it, uh, this is going to be a tough test, though, for Illinois on the road there at Nebraska. So you got that one. I, I, I I'm putting Illinois on upset alert. I, I me too. Yeah, I, I think if if you can get seven and a half there, I think you 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 take those seven and a half points in Nebraska. In I game. would, and I would say your third game is a major upset alert, in my opinion. Yep, TCU unbeaten. Coming off a couple big wins, going on the road to West Virginia, and old Max Duggan is 0-3 in his career against the Mountaineers. One touchdown pass to five interceptions. West Virginia has had his number, has had TCU's number, and everybody's patting TCU on the back. Maybe they could be a playoff team, top 10 in the country. Look out. Look out. This could be a tricky little spot in Morgantown. And add, add to it that Neil Brown could be coaching for his job. From an yeah. Iowa State standpoint, I hope that he doesn't get fired this week because that's always a terrible spot. I always hate that 
Oh. Having to face a team that just fired its head coach. Yeah. And, and West you Virginia, just never know what you're going to get. Yeah, West Virginia coming to town next week. So th- this is a super trick. Have you ever been to Morgantown in no. your life? Oh, no, my. I've been to West Virginia many, 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 many times, but never to Morgantown. I always explain it's like a different country. It's like you just appear in like Siberia. Just people with beards. It's just a. I love it. <laughs> people with beard. You have a beard. <laughs> people with beards. They're wearing. They're wearing flannel shirts and they've got glasses and. They're uh, just drinking moonshine everywhere. Just walking down the street drunk. I love Morgantown. It's one of my favorite road trips. Now they're kind of nasty. Their fans can be real dicks. Oh sure. And th- and that's what makes this very very tricky. Mm-hmm. For TCU. All right, my top three. Uh, Oklahoma State at Kansas State is fascinating. I think I'm really interested to see Kansas State's got a ton of injuries. Yeah. After that TCU game, I, I think the wrong team is favored here. Kansas State getting like a point and a half in this one. Gundy's phenomenal on the road. Really feels like he's the most consistent Big 12 football coach in the league. Kansas State's favored, right? Kansas State is favored, yeah. Yeah, I'm Kansas sorry. State, and it, that, that's what it's weird to me that they're favored in this game, and they're the ones with all the the injury concerns. A strange line. I I like Oklahoma State to to win this game outright, but nonetheless, it's very compelling. It does sound like Will Howard, the the backup, will probably be the guy for Kansas State, which makes them a little less predictable than when Adrian Martinez is out there. But nonetheless, they have injuries up and down the, the roster. Uh, let's go to the American for Cincinnati at oh. Central Florida. Whoa, or, Central whoa. Florida. No, 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 that's UCF. UCF, Brock. <laughs> Brock is filling in for Matt. He's just trolling the future Big 12 program. Hey, a little bit of uh, future Big 12 vibes mm-hmm. in this one, really to take control of the American. Of course, you got Tulane up there, but this is a sexy game. UCF got their ass kicked last week at East Carolina. Yeah, but they're still a good team, and they're just, just a fanny pounder. Um, a fanny pound. Oh, mm-hmm. fanny being slang for ass. Mm-hmm. And then you've got like, listen, Kentucky at Tennessee. Tennessee's ripe for an upset here. This is another one where. Yeah, because you got you got the trip to Georgia next week. That, and I love the fact that I bet this game early. In the week on Kentucky, because Kentucky is like they're just a they're a couple of plays from being in the top 10, 15, right? They, Should have beaten Ole Miss, yes. Should've, they are had that win at Ole Miss. They are being undervalued right now, and this is just a really tricky game for Tennessee with Georgia next week. Everybody's talking about like you. I still feel like there there's probably students that haven't recovered from the Bama win yet. By the way, why throw the goalpost into the river? Why would you do that? Why not? You can keep it. Where are you going to put a goalpost? You can cut it up. Can you go go cut that thing up? Have give each person like a foot of it. Hey, you're in Tennessee. I mean, there's probably guys with welders in their truck. Yeah, how amazing would it be to have? What if you had you know a foot of the goalpost from the Iowa State Oklahoma State game? 10 years ago. That'd be awesome. Were you at the Iowa-Minnesota game when they carried it out and those people no, got no, I caught having sex? They had, they had sex with the goalpost? No, there's this couple of Iowa fans. 
They got that wasn't the same game. That was oh, a wasn't different the game. Same one. That was it a was a different year. So the the the, the goalpost <laughs> game was two thousand two. The then y'all carried it game, out of the Metrodome. Yeah, the Metrodome sex game was I think two thousand eight. So what's this, the, these these Hawk fans got drunk, and they just started just boning in the I think in the bathroom. men's restroom. I think so. And you know those re- those 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 restrooms at those old stadiums, they don't even have doors on the stall. Dude, the old Metro Dome, that was like we I had season tickets to the Vikings. It was hell going to fi- to be able to go to the bathroom in that place. Yeah, it was miserable. I I had only been there a few times, but that it was so congested in those hallways. Like how does that even happen? You go you, the, the most disgusting place maybe on earth is a bathroom at an NFL stadium. I don't know, man. Have you ever been to a college bar? Ah, yeah. Those bathrooms aren't as bad as. Have you ever been to like Sips on a Friday night? What about what about the trough at uh, at Kinnick Stadium? Would you rather disgusting? I couldn't even go to the bathroom in there. Would you rather have sex? I I couldn't do it. Up against the trough in Kinnick Stadium or the old Metro Dome? (laughs) You have to pick one. How would you even on the if you're up against the trough, you'd fall over, you'd fall right into the trough. Have you ever been low to the ground? I've got a grosser place that is the bathroom at a dirt track race. Oh my god, okay, I've never been to that. What's that like? Guys just Um, pissing gasoline, guys pee in the sink often there because they don't want to wait in line and they'll be holding their beer and just whip it out and go in the it's all pipes. That's yeah. That's the George Costanza line. <laughs> it's all pipes. What's the difference? By the way, I was texting with Andy Fails yesterday. We were, we have an idea. Yeah. That um, when we get closer to the holidays, you and me and him are going to do a little Seinfeld trivia. Oh. Here on Iowa Everywhere, we thought we'd make it a little bit of a reunion. Bring Dave Z back to be the moderator. Yes, that was fun. We did that one night at Andy's house about, uh, what, 12, 13 years ago? <laughs> yeah. And I kicked everybody's ass. I didn't really care for that uh, game we were playing. It was that Seinfeldopoly thing because it's like, oh, you lose your turn. Like, it doesn't really give the proper, like, who's who's smarter. Like, I want a, I want a real competition. I, I, I was clearly smarter about Seinfeld than you and Andy were. Well, you get, you're going to get a chance to prove it here. In a couple months. Okay, good. Good. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Uh, enjoy the games this weekend. Thanks to Brock for filling in for Matt Van Winkle. You the man, buddy. Thanks, Brock. Brother, and, and, and good luck to, uh, to Van Winkle and best of, uh, best of health to his dad who is in the hospital. I'm, I was sorry to hear that. Hopefully, uh, Mr. Van Wink is on the way to recovery. Yep, and then uh, I wanted to give a shout-out, too, to our friend Keith Murphy and his yeah. son, Cade. They're going through a hard time as well. Uh, we're thinking about all those guys as we uh, lead into the weekend. So thanks to Fairway for sponsoring us here on Two Guys Named Chris. Do us a favor. Down, when, you, when you're listening to us on the podcast, give us a rating and a subscribe if you haven't already. That helps us kind what of— What if it's a bad rating, though? Is that no, no bad ratings. Okay, no so if you're going to give us a bad one, don't rate us. Yeah. Oh, Ross Tucker just threw in the Go Cox for the weekend. Big one. That might be my lock of the week, yeah, by the way. You, who are your Cox playing Miz- this week? Missouri. I already bet that oh. one. They, a little bit of a tricky spot for my Cox. Because I thought it was your mom's Cox. 
Well, they are, but I, I cheer for them too. They're my SEC team. We need to, as we as this show develops, where we need to do like a draft where we each pick like random teams in all the leagues. Mm. I think it'd be a lot to of back. fun. Yeah. Maybe we can do that in basketball. Be like, who's your swack team? Ooh, you know? Yeah. Alabama State, baby. Let's go. <laughs> uh, thanks for everybody for listening, commenting, watching. We appreciate you guys. Uh, for Chris Hassel, my name's Chris Williams. We will be back on Monday morning here on Two Guys Named Chris. Iowa everywhere.